And Winston Churchill, with those words, moved the United States into its destiny and sealed the fate of Hitler, Mussolini, and Japan. All right, turn with me to the book of Belteshazzar, chapter 4. Right next to Ezekiel, actually. The book of Belteshazzar, chapter 4. But first, listen, we need to live in a way that's, that's honoring to God. Because not only do we need to honor people, we need to honor God. We need to live a life of purity. and We need to live a life in power. Because those things honor God. You know, and a lot of times emphasis, and I just kind of a little rabbit trail here before we get into Belteshazzar chapter 4. Um, yeah, somebody said it. Belteshazzar is what Nebuchadnezzar called Daniel. For those of you now who now you know, you're Bible scholars. Daniel chapter 4. But, but uh, the emphasis is often put on purity. And you'll hear preachers preach, you know, we need to live pure in order to have power. Purity and power are important. You have to have purity, but yet, but it's not necessarily one comes after the other. They are things that we need to have no matter where we're at in our lives. Because I know a lot of nice people that walk in no power. I know a lot of people who are walking in purity before God, but yet they walk in absolutely no power. So just because you're walking in purity doesn't mean you are walking in power. People are, are possessed by a devil. People are in need of healing. People need to be born again. And here's somebody who's walking in purity, but yet because of no power, they can't lead them to Christ. They can't cast out a devil. They can't lay hands on them to get them healed. So we need to walk in purity. I'm not saying we don't walk in purity, but what I'm saying is that doesn't automatically bring the power. Listen, we're called to make a difference. Don't, does everybody agree with that? But, but here's the problem that the church tries to do. And, and let, me, let me rebuke you sternly if you do this. Here's what we do. Um, we make people jump through all sorts of worthiness hoops. Or character hoops. So that you can be used by God in power gifts. If you want to move in faith and in healing and in miracles and and tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy. And if you want to discern spirits and have words of wisdom and words of knowledge, it will take purity. So jump through these hoops and you have just made gifts, rewards. And God said, they are not rewards, they're gifts. They're not rewards. God doesn't give those things because we've been good enough. God gives them because we say, yes, I'll do that. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me serve. God goes, cool. Here you go. Here you go. Here's your sign. And I love you for it. Thank you. Thank you for picking up the banner. Thank you for being willing to make a difference for people, the people that I love. The people, guess what? That I've put you down on the earth to serve and to love, and to honor. And when we make people jump through worthiness hoops, we're not honoring them. I don't know what worthiness hoop Peter had to jump through to get called. And he sent the 70 out, remember that? Before, I mean, Peter was about, was just 
you know, months away from denying him three times. But he was doing miracles. Remember Judas? Oh yeah, he's the guy that betrayed Jesus. When Jesus sent out the 70, guess who was included in the number? Judas. And he came back all excited like the rest of them because what was happening? Miracles. Signs and wonders. Were any of them worthy? Were any of them pure? They were not pure. They were worthy because God said they were. And he said, I'm willing to give you my gifts. Okay? And, and I, I, I said it earlier. Here, we, in, in John 1, or in John, first John 4, 17, he says, uh, he is, as he is, so are we in this world. And John saw Jesus with eyes of fire in Revelation chapter 1. Remember his feet, uh, you know, bronze, and his hair is wool, a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, that amazing description of Jesus. John had seen that, and then he makes the statement, as he is. So John saw him that way, and he said, oh, the way I just saw Jesus, the way that is, he looks now, that's what you are in this world. Who? We, uh, you know, some of us need to see Jesus as a baby in the manger. I get it. Some of us need to see Jesus uh, being uh, whipped and beaten for our transgressions. I get that. Some of us need to see Jesus on the cross. I get that. Some of us need to see him resurrected. Yep, I get that. And we need, let me change how I said that. We all need to see him that way. But we can't stop there. We need to see him as he is because as he is, so are we. And we need to get that vision. Man, Jesus is this amazing, amazing man glorified in the presence of God. And that's how God wants us to operate. We owe people love. We do. We owe people love. We owe God. We owe him power. And if we owe him power, God says, here, that's not for me. I'm going to just, through you, I'm going to pass it out. And so as we love, and as we say yes to the gifts of God, God says, oh, cool, now I can use you. Do it. You didn't have to walk through a worthiness hoop. You just had to say yes to Christ. And he says, here you go. Here comes all these gifts. Start using them. So, if Jesus has these eyes of fire, and I said it earlier, I said, you know, and I'm going to go back to you for just a second. We need to start letting Jesus gaze on us. Hmm. Because when he gazes on us, we begin to catch on fire. Because he gazes on us with those eyes of fire. I remember I was sitting here praying before, and, and, and all of a sudden I just knew I needed to have a, a scripture. So Brad helped me out, and Psalms 18, 28 talks about God lighting that fire. God lights the fire. There's, you know, we see in different scriptures where God lit the fire that consumed the, the, the gifts on the altar. God did that. But guess what was the responsibility of the priest every morning? To come and rearrange the wood and rearrange the things so they continue to burn. God wants to ignite a fire within you, but you have a responsibility to keep that fire burning. You have a responsibility to tend your fire. How do I do that? Worship. He inhabits your praise. His presence comes. The word. He watches over it to perform it. Your prayer closet. 
Get in it and shut the door. I dare you to take five minutes and be silent before God and just listen. Don't initiate anything prayerful. Don't do anything but say, Lord, I'm here to listen. I'm here to be intimate. I told you guys earlier to close your eyes and visualize Jesus. Do that in that five-minute period. All of a sudden, he's there. I can see him. We did that in youth group a few weeks ago. And as we were doing that, um, I, I said, wow, somebody here just got kissed. You're visualizing Jesus and you just got kissed. I don't remember who it was. Somebody said, yeah, that was me. Who was it? Stevie members. Oh, it was, it was Josh. That's right. But, uh, you know, so Jesus, I, I mean, don't limit him to what he might do. It'll be awesome. We need to keep the light burning. The priests were responsible for that. All right, I, I need to keep moving here. Um, but before I do, I'm going to just say this. God initiates things. We're responsible to keep them going. Okay, so he's initiating fire. We got to keep it burning. We love him. Why? Oh, he initiated love toward us. Listen, why can we sing to God? Because he's saying over us. Bible says he's saying songs of deliverance over us. Why can we dance before God? Because he's danced before us. God initiates everything. Jesus said, I only do what I saw the Father do. I only say what I've heard the Father say. God is the initiator. God showed honor. Jesus gave honor. Honor your father and mother. Well, Chuck, I don't know if I should be receiving honor. Isn't that prideful? If you're not to receive honor, God wouldn't tell you to give it. So knock it off. Parents, receive honor from your children. Why? So they'll have long life. Because honor brings life. Godly life. I'm getting firm. All right. Um, Daniel chapter 4. Oh, man, look at the time. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Ready? If you turn there, you can just kind of skim and... And see, I'm just going to tell you what happened real quick. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And it is a pretty bad dream. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is a bad guy. He is a wicked, wicked man. And he is ruling a wicked, wicked city. And God, in all his wisdom, ready for this? He has commissioned Daniel to be Nebuchadnezzar's prophet Thanks, Lord. What do you got against me? Nothing. Neb needs a prophet. Neb needs a man of God. And, and he was named and, and he was put in the midst of all of the other soothsayers, magicians, witches and warlocks, whatever Nebuchadnezzar had, who were his men and women who spoke uh, concerning whatever. Daniel was named in the midst of that. There was Belteshazzar. And so Dan, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Calls all his guys around. Nobody can tell him what the dream means. So he calls, oh, bring Dan. Dan, Belt, come on in. Tells him the dream. Daniel, here's the dream. Daniel 
Daniel says to the most wicked, vile bozo ever. O king. Boy, I wish this word was for your enemies and not for you. We would have said, ha ha, I told you, you're getting what's coming to you. But Daniel was a man of honor and honored his king. Now Nebuchadnezzar said, you tell me the dream and you don't leave nothing out. You interpret it. So he did. And what Daniel prophesied based on the dream came to pass as Nebuchadnezzar became basically like an animal eating grass and, and for months, but he came back repentant. And Daniel offered honor. We need to start honoring people into their destiny, and that's what Daniel did. Winston Churchill did it. Daniel did it. Jesus did it. We need to do it. You know, the, the fruit, like I just said, the fruit of honoring your parents is life. But Jesus said, if you, if you honor a prophet, you'll receive a, a prophet's reward. So there's honoring that comes. If, if, if there's a prophet that's standing here, and we go, yeah, yeah, he might be a prophet, but he's a good brother. And we don't honor him like a prophet. We honor for the as the prophet that he is, and we honor him as a brother. Guess what we get? We get a brother's reward. We need to begin to, what did I say honor was? Is, is recognizing what's in a person without stumbling over what's not. And so when God brings people into our midst, race sitting beside you, take a look at the person sitting beside you or around you. There's gifts in that person that you need to begin to recognize. Why? Because you need to begin to draw from that gift. Well, they don't have a title. Good for them. Because they have a title in heaven. It's called believer. It's called son. It's called daughter. God has put in them gifts that you as a believer need to draw from. And the only way you do it is you see that person. You recognize the gift in that person. And you recognize the God that put that gift in the person. And all of a sudden, you're beginning to have access and complete access to the gifting and the reward that comes along with that gift and what is God has put into that person. Because if you honor a prophet as a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. If you honor a pastor as a pastor, our pastor, regular for this, is not a perfect man. Yeah, it's newsflash. But he's called by God to be a pastor. And so we need to honor him as such. If we don't, we fail. Oh my gosh, but he's let me down. Suck it up, buttercup, as they say. Because God says, I haven't failed you. Men will fail you. But I didn't ask you to honor the men that, and the women that have never failed. I've, I've asked you to honor the God and the gift and the person that's in front of you, not their perfection. Not that they say everything right, do everything right, but they are called, they're gifted, and they're my vessel. 
And I've put on them some to be pastors and some to be prophets and some to be apostles and evangelists and teachers. And I made that decision, God says. You haven't. But you can recognize that gifting and you can honor that in them and receive and reap the benefits of that reward. But guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to walk blessed. You're going to walk powerful. You're going to walk healed. You're going to walk in abundance. You're going to walk with the sound mind because all those rewards that come with that contain all those things. And God says, that's what the body of Christ needs to do. The United States is desperate for a church to rise up and to start honoring like it should, like heaven wants honor to be done. God is desperate for children to begin to do something radical Honor their parents and honor their school teachers. Oh, can you imagine the revival that would take place? Uh, it will be, it would be, it, it would be jaw-dropping to the nation at the blessing and the and, and the greatness that begins to come when a school, for example, if they just would begin to walk in honor and would be taught that. It, it would start a revolution. God has asked us, not everybody in this church is here, but you are. So God has made you part of a revolution of honor that he's beginning here in our church that's going to go around the world. And it will, it will change. It will change. It changed Nebuchadnezzar. Let's keep going. Um. Let's look at Luke. I want to I want to share I need to get there because it's already quarter two. Wow. Turn to Luke chapter four. Jesus is has been up in the wilderness and he's been fasting for forty days. And he comes at the end of his forty days and, and the angels come and begin to minister to him, but first the devil comes and begins to tempt him. And uh <clears throat> what's the first thing that he's tempted with after he fasts forty days? Huh? What does the devil say? Turn the stone to bread, right? What's tempting about that? Yeah, he was done. He was done fasting, right? Uh, yes, first thing was identity. If you're the son of God, Jesus knew that he was. He said, yeah, I'm the son of God. But what was tempting about the bread? Had Jesus fasted 40 days? Was he done? It says after. I mean, he was hungry because it was after this fast. So would it have been wrong for him to eat bread? And if he had faith to turn a stone to bread, would it have been okay for him to do that? So why was it tempting? Okay, take a test and write it down this week, and I want your papers turned in before church next week. Because he said, man shall not live by bread alone. And if you read it in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The temptation, the first temptation there is turn the stone to bread. Jesus was tempted with, hey, let's make the law the, the, law, the, the life of the land. Let's not change anything. Don't die. Don't be crucified. Make the stone bread because that's life. Make the law that's written on tablets of stone. Make that the life that people have to live by. Don't worry about being sacrificed. Make the stone bread. Jesus said, no, that's not the way it's going to work. 
He said, we'll live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, there is revelation, there is inspiration that has come from God that we need to recognize, we need to hear, and we need to follow. Part of that was God said, I will send my son. He is the sacrificial lamb from the foundation of the world. Jesus would die, and on the third day, he'd rise from the dead. So that's the word of God. That's what we're going to live by. What's written on those tablets of stone is not bread. The word of God is. Now, is this the word of God? But we know a lot of people that read this that don't operate in any of the things of God. They just read this as a book. So you read this, and it's the Spirit of God that turns it into bread and life and brings revelation, the Word of God, the voice of God. And we're going we're gonna to see why that's important here in just a minute. So Jesus then comes, and he says, Repent. And it talks about this in Matthew 4. Out of the wilderness, repent, the kingdom is at hand. In other words, change how you think because the kingdom's here and you cannot operate the kingdom principles with the way you think now. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I'm going to give you the capacity to think like me, to have the mind of Christ. Here comes Jesus in Luke chapter 4. Is everybody there? He comes to his own hometown of Nazareth. And he goes... Guys, this is going to be awesome. You ready? He goes, I got something to say, and I'm going to give you the inside scoop. I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm going to start it right here. What are you going to start right here? The kingdom. The pouring out of the kingdom. The kingdom in all its glory. The will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven is going to start here in Nazareth. Ready? In verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Oh, man. And they're listening. And like, like they did every week, they gather. The men gather to, to read the scriptures. Why? Because that's how they worshiped. That's what they did. They were Jews. They were consistent. And they were dedicated and committed to the ritual of coming together, reading the scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And all of a sudden, we know that in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But in John chapter 6, Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit in their life. The word has become flesh, and there stands Jesus. And Jesus begins to speak. The word begins to speak, and it's spirit and life. And suddenly these men and women who was ever there, they began to burn inside of them. Because suddenly after 400 years, 400 years of silence, the word was beginning to speak. And the kingdom was beginning to come to pass on earth. Right there in Nazareth. Right there in their presence. And he began to speak and they began to burn. And they're going, what's going on? And as he went through that, recovering of sight to the blind, proclaiming liberty to the captives. Verse 20, and he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. Mic drop. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. They were just, oh my gosh. It should say the eyes were all fixed on him and every mouth was wide open. 
because something was happening inside of them from the life that comes from the word of God, the life that comes from the revelation of God, the understanding that the spirit brings to us, the life that he brings to us as the word comes to us. They were experiencing that for the first time in 400 years. First time in their lives. What is different? And he began to say to them, today, this scripture not the, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at his gracious words. Let me say what happened right there. All spoke well of him and marveled at his gracious words. Spoke well is this. They began to agree. Oh, yeah. Yes, I believe that. I agree with that because the spirit was beginning to birth life in them in witness to the word. I agree. And spoke well of him because of his gracious words. What's grace? What's gracious? It comes from the word grace. What's grace? The ability to hear the word and to obey it. The ability, the enabling ability of God to to fulfill the word. The ability that God brings to be an overcomer, to be successful in Christianity. And suddenly the words that Jesus spoke not only brought life, but all of a sudden the grace of God. Oh my gosh. He's anointed us. Because what Jesus has, we have. And they were beginning to stir with that. They were beginning to stir and agree with that and go, it's right It's happening here. The kingdom is being poured out. Isn't that Joseph's boy? Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're being fooled here. He's the neighbor kid down the road. We've seen him. He threw rocks one time at my uh, chariot when I was driving by, when he was about seven. I saw Jesus trying to nail something on that house with his dad one time, and he bent the nail. Couldn't be the son of God. God wouldn't bend a nail. No, no, that's just Jesus. Boy, if I had a healing balloon right now and I took a pin, it would go from filling up and floating to falling to the ground quick. Can you imagine the guy standing before God, hopefully, God says, remember that time I was in Nazareth and I was reading the word and everything was beginning to stir and you said... Isn't that just Jesus? <laughs> That's a good one. You ruined it for Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, now guess what they're known as? City of unbelief. But even though they were known as the city of unbelief, Jesus says he couldn't do many miracles there. But realize that it, what happened there was lack of honor. They didn't honor the gift that was standing right in front of them. Even if they didn't recognize completely what was going on, they didn't give honor to Jesus. So Jesus didn't stop the power. Jesus was able to do miracles. But what it did was it stopped the move of God for the congregation, for the city. Listen, a changed heart will change people. Changed people change a city. God is interested in cities. I've said that a lot of different times. God is interested in in changing cities. You know, look at what Jesus, he wrote to the city, to the church at Ephesus. What's that? It's the city. 
the church of Laodicea. It's the city. He's, in, he's, he's, he's interested in individuals. He's interested in territory, in land. God is interested in consuming and, 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 and being empowered over cities, groups of people. 400 words, 400, excuse me, years of silence broken in that moment because he wanted to give Nazareth the first crack at it. So instead he ends up going to Capernaum. The word became flesh. The words Jesus speaks are, are the spirit and life. Then, isn't that Jesus? And Let's keep on. I want to show you something here. It's pretty cool. Isn't that Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb. Physicians, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. They're going to recognize that they missed it, that Jesus was doing at Capernaum. And then he said this, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heavens were shut up three and a half years, and great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to some, or Elijah was sent to none of them, but to the Zarephath, but to Zarephath in the hand of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Here God, Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Three and a half years of, 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 of uh, famine. Jehovah Jireh comes up with provision, the provider. And he looks in Israel and he cannot bless his own people because of lack of honor. And he has to go to a woman who's not even uh, a child of God, a Jew, and he blesses her. And then he says, remember Elijah? Well, uh, there, was, there was an outbreak of leprosy. And here's Elisha. And he's sent by God to heal. But he could heal none. None were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian, the general of the conflicting army of the enemy. Because God looked around in Israel and found no honor. So he had to take his healing. Jehovah Rapha, our healer, was looking, standing through his prophet Elijah to heal in Israel and could find no honor. He's in Nazareth and he can find no honor. I'll take it to Capernaum and I'll establish my ministry there. We do not want to be those people. We need to begin to recognize the gifting in the people around us. I don't care if you've been born again. One day, you're called and you're gifted by God. And we cannot, and we cannot afford to stumble over what people are not. I do it this way. They're doing it wrong. Doesn't matter. Honor. Honor the gift. Honor the God who gave the gift. Honor the person that God put the gift in. And then watch the miraculous begin to stir hearts and change lives and bring the kingdom to pass. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. 
The kingdom is righteousness and joy or peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom, let me get rid of those three, righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. He's the teacher. He's the guide. He's the one that helps us renew our mind. The kingdom is found in the Holy Spirit. Listen, the renewed mind, can I tell you what the renewed mind is? Renewed mind is seen through God's eyes. It's not how much you've studied the Bible, although that's important, but it's beginning to see through God's eyes. It's obtaining God's perspective. We need to have God's perspective. We need to think like God. That's the renewed mind. Can I dare say that uh, probably one of the, the greatest sins is the unrenewed mind? Without faith. What? It's impossible to please God without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to receive Christ. God has given you the measure of faith, but without it, and and if we choose to ignore the word of God and to honor and reject the truth of the word, seeing through God's eyes, taking upon ourselves the perspective that God takes on and, and living that way, we will miss it and God will bypass us and go to the next city, go to the next church. I got good news for you. We're not going to miss it. We have people in this church that are to be honored. Look to the person to your left. See him? If you're you're on the far left side, look all the way over to that person. That person needs to be honored. You just looked at him. Look to your right. That person, they're looking away from you because they're looking to their right too. So look at the back of their head. They need to be honored. Guess who needs to honor them? It starts with you. Starts with you. You know, sometimes it's easy to honor a person with a title. Unless you get a little too familiar and you see their shortcomings, then it's really quickly to, easy to forget that honor and criticize. Don't allow those things to happen. We need to continue to walk in honor, in love, in the, in the heart of God, one toward another. Jesus has given us authority. He came with a commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he said this then. He said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. How did that come? Power comes with encounter. You need to encounter the presence of God. And that that moment of encounter, that's just like Jesus reading in Nazareth, where the things inside you begin to stir and to begin to come alive. So get born again. Be commissioned. But let's get an encounter. Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's what I'm going to ask as we conclude. And I know some of you need to get going. It's noon and the brats need to go on the grill. And the invitation needs to be sent out to Chuck Seeley. Come for lunch. No. No. We're going to go honor mama-in-law. Go see Donna. Um, so, but what I'd like you guys to do, first of all, uh, is there anybody here that has a word of knowledge concerning healing for anybody here? I know we did an altar call, but does anybody have a word of knowledge concerning something that God wants to do for somebody in the congregation. Does that sound like an odd request? Does anybody have a word from the Lord concerning a healing? Come here. Can we have that mic, Ken? Isn't it cool when God wants to do miracles? We can get it right to Josh. I trust him. 
If you start saying something wrong, Tim, shut him off. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to honor him. Um, at the base of your neck, there's a problem with your vertebrae right back here. Um, I think it causes like headaches and stuff like that too. But all I heard was just like vertebrae at the base of your neck. If that's you, come on up. We're going to lay hands on you, pray for you. Anybody else have a word from God concerning a healing? God wants to use the body of Christ in words of knowledge uh, for healing, discerning, um, uh, words of wisdom. If you're here, if you have a word, I need to, you need to come here. If you're coming for prayer for vertebrae, just get, in, just get in line right here and Josh pray. Who else has a word? Come on. Go on, come on. You got to give it in the mic. Dakota, you coming up for a word? No? Okay. I know that that's, a, that's an odd thing and it doesn't happen, you know, that we don't do it on a regular basis, but this is how God wants to use the body of Christ. It doesn't just come from me. It comes from us. Okay, Walmart, did you have something you wanted to share first? It's for Mona. Is it private? I want to know. Inquiring minds. Is there anybody else has a word for somebody to pray for somebody? I knew I wasn't just standing here for no reason with this mic up like this. What is it? Yeah. Give it. Listen up. Oops, that I shut it off. Forgive me. Um, okay. So I have a word, but it's not for healing. Um, when, when we were standing up here worshiping, um, and Chuck came up and had us close our eyes, and he said um, to visualize Jesus, and that he said he had eyes that burn with fire. Um, immediately, like... I closed my eyes and I could see Jesus before me and um, my whole body starting from my feet started to like burn like I could feel it burning Um, and what I heard the Lord say was my eyes burn with fire for you fire of love Um, and so I just felt like if it's okay with you um, that if you want an encounter with God like that where you feel the fire of the Holy Spirit, like you fear the fire from God's eyes, that if you would come forward, um, that we would lay hands on you. Yep. Okay. Come on up. If that's for you. Amen. Yep. Stevie, do you have something? Come here. Yeah, you do. I know you do. Get up here. Step in faith. Lord told me you had one. So we're, we're encountering fire here. I need, I need some of the people praying with Michael and Helper here. Why don't you pray in the Holy Spirit, all of you who are, participate with us. Don't just, just don't view us, participate. All right. So I don't know if it was, but it's for people that have been having trouble sleeping because of fear. Um, okay. Like the last couple of days, I stay up late anyways, but like I've had this like weird feeling of fear coming over me. And I like I know that's not me, but if you have trouble sleeping at night because of fear, then we'll pray.
shut myself. There I am. If that's you, you need, you're having trouble sleeping for fear, come on, get in this line over here. Don't let the enemy steal your sleep. Do not. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Anybody else here for fire? Really? Just one? Oh, man. How many of you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You've never prayed in your prayer language, and you want to do that. Raise your hand. Be brave. Be bold. It unlocks amazing things. Right, Lace? It does, doesn't it? It's awesome. Anybody? Wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit, pray in their prayer language. Everybody is? Cool. We're going to wrap things up right here. We're praying for things like that. If you still have something you want prayed over, please come up. We want to pray with you. We don't want you to go home without being prayed for. But children are that way now. All of your parents need to go that way to get your kids. Okay? Again, be careful of the things that are stacked in the hallway or in the way. Um, But we are dismissing officially. We love you. Um, Walk in honor. Walk in honor. If you see a if you see a service person and you're at the restaurant with them, why don't you uh, see if the Lord will help you out and and uh, buy their lunch, or at least pay for their cup of coffee. <laughs>